0: oh johnny's fucking fat again that's that's (laughs) um no i think i think um the, the hardest yeah it is really hard to control your bulk i think in it it's almost it's quite easy just to go f it and just go all in, but I think also just generally just finding that right level of intake because it sounds really easy and logical, doesn't it? In that, oh, just you know, eat eat kind of what you you know predicted maintenance is or below and eat that for a while, see so, you no know, change in the scale weight, so up your calories by a little bit and keep going, but. It's not, I think in practice, I've never found that really works that easily. Like, it's almost like your maintenance is, is here, and if you just slowly eat up to it, you'll hit your maintenance, and then you know where it is then, and you're eating that, and you just then slowly build a tiny surplus. So, I think it's just it's too complicated or too complex to just say that that's that easy. Because so I think, like, the way the scales move, the way kind of like weights just suddenly randomly change, like you just get random wanes or just random increases over a couple of weeks sometimes. Like, I, sometimes I find myself like, Weighing in and thinking my intake's been genuinely very static, and all of a sudden I'll be like, "Whoa, my rate seems of weight gain seems to have gone from like really moderate to like I've suddenly just jumped up a pound every day for like two weeks. Well, not, well maybe not quite that much, but you know what I mean? It makes you feel yes. really uncomfortable, like shit. I've I need to do I need to slow things down. But I think generally, if you then kind of take a step back and have a look at it, the averages work out a lot better
1: yes. than you think. Yeah, like I a- think. Yeah, the most most believe it is because especially more when you've you've died in quite hard, and being one sixty eight, that's a that's, the maintenance is not very high is it at that weight? But to keep it, it's that, it's that period of like two three months in it, you could easy go for it, easy go to one eighty, easy. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah,
0: whatever. Yeah, Crap. my my maintenance wasn't very high at all. I think I I I'm trying to think back to what I was doing. I think. When I went from obviously a deficit to a new predictive maintenance, obviously for listeners, um, the predictive maintenance being obviously what my current weight maintenance would be, not what my previous weight maintenance was before the diet. Obviously, so it should, because I'm a lot lighter and a lot smaller, it should obviously be a lot lower. I think I actually went to something really, really moderate, like 2,200 calories or something, which obviously doesn't seem a lot. So That's even all- if you
1: see it, without your low activity factor, call it 1800 or 168. Unifit times by one point two, yes, two two in it. That's quite a low activity factor, in no? it two point one point two.
0: 1.2. Yeah, but my activity—I wouldn't say my activity was low by any stretch. No. As in, like most days, I was hitting ten. Well, every day I was hitting ten thousand step, uh, ten thousand steps on a step count. I was training
1: four times a week minimum. And I think as well, really, I think when people work on maintenance, they work on maintenance. If you, if you're 168 but not a dieted 168 because it's a very big difference i think between 168 natural 168 and a 168 diet and down from yeah. 180
0: something yeah I, I said the same thing on a previous podcast in how you physically look a 168 or 170 or 180 whatever the number is that number is very different on the way down in terms of how you look to that number on the way up
1: 100%. yeah easy
0: but because of various factors around most of it's around obviously like water retention and subcutaneous water retention and just how you look. And obviously that differs depending upon whether you're dieting to get down to 170 or whether you are being pushing
1: your body weight up to 170. It sounds like a maintenance quality should go like 168 times like 24 activity factor, whatever number they get, probably take off 10, 15%.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously we talked, yeah, we talked about metabolic adaptation and that there's a level of metabolic adaptation that happens and which i do think is massively overstated or feared by too many people i think a lot of people so worry about oh my god you know if i diet my metabolism is going to crash or like if i diet for too long without diet breaks is my metabolism or my the amount of my energy expenditure going to be so low that i'm doing not even the people i think that don't believe in true kind of like um metabolic damage or kind of whatever the term people use in terms of i've broken my metabolism even those that that understand the kind of the more evidence-based or scientific side of, no, there's no such thing as metabolic damage, but there is a thing of like meta, meta, metabolic adaptation that has been seen in dieters. That when people have have long-term dieted or restrict heavily restricted, you do see some adaptation in in metabolic rates over and below what you might expect for just the adapt, adaptations for the dieting. So for basically for just getting smaller. So if you if someone went what on you know their, their maintenance might be in two thousand five hundred, they dieted down. And you would expect their new maintenance to be 2,000 because they've darted down. You might actually find their maintenance might be more like 1,900 or 1,800 rather than 2,000 because there's also this, this adaptation that has occurred. And I guess studies like the Biggest Loser study and those sort of things obviously have shown this. Um, but I think a lot of people think it's like a really big factor when reality is probably like 100, 200 calories maximum. So that basically, it's not an excuse for people to use, say, "Oh, my metabolism's adapted, and that's why I can't." You know, that's why I'm I'm gaining weight really easily, or that's why I'm not kind of not losing weight anymore. You know, well, it's not really. I mean, 100 calories could be quite a big difference for someone like a small female that's only consuming a thousand calories in a deficit, anyway. But it's not really for the majority of people.
1: Barbie's still a right prickle sometimes. Go on. Well, so if you if you you dieted down, you expect the weight that to be this, and it's not. It's like, fuck you, it's
0: lower. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easy, unfortunately, mate. You're going to be lower. You've you've hurt me for for six months. You can fuck wear off, no? Mm. But go, go,
0: going, going back to the original point, obviously how we started this conversation as I started recording, uh, bulking, I do think, is way harder than dieting if you have... If you're trying to do it optimally, like the adherence to bulking is is more difficult to a certain extent. So, I mean, I I found for most of my clients and for me anyway that those that have tried to bulk haven't done it in the best um, best way possible. Or I found it harder if they have done the best way possible. They found it a lot harder to do than they have done to, to diet for various reasons.
1: They've been in that camp before.
0: I I, yeah. I think I, I mean it's, there's two reasons for, that I think. I think one one obviously is uh, of it's just easy to overshoot it and just get too fat too quick. I think that's obviously, in, I guess that also aligns with the, the other point that's going to make kind of, the, they kind of overlap a little bit. The second point that I think is people's expectations of what a bulk looks like in practice are way over uh, over or over-anticipated than what they are in reality. And I think we've, we've talked about this probably a billion times, let's be honest, but someone's surplus and the amount of surplus they need is quite small to gain muscle if you want to optimally kind of or if you want to maximize the amount of muscle you'll put on and minimize the amount of body fat, then your surplus is generally going to be pretty small. I mean we're probably talking around the two 300 calories mark for most people in you know roughly it's going to differ person to person, but roughly that might only be that much, which is not a lot more food than what they were originally probably eating, even in even going from a deficit to a surplus rather than even a maintenance to a surplus. Um, and I think that's that's half the problem. People kind of get themselves where they're focused, laser-focused dieting, got the routine and everything in place, and they're really successful in, in kind of losing body fat. And then it's like, right, okay, that period is now ended, and I now want to kind of start to make some physique improvements in terms of muscle mass and building muscles. So therefore, I need to kind of get out of a deficit and go into a surplus because obviously that's what you need to do to build muscle. And um, I'm now going to go and uh, and bulk. And it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, you can add in probably like one extra. Whole food meal, you know, and when I say whole food meal, I mean obviously a moderate meal of three four hundred calories, perhaps. So, oh, is that is that extra than what I was eating previously? Yeah, that is that is extra. That's what you get to eat more. But I'm supposed to be bulking. That's what you need. Like if you want to go any harder, you'll probably put on excess body fat. I mean, obviously we are talking very arbitrary numbers here, and obviously for a lot of people it might be a big difference. I mean, there'll be people that are in a f- five six hundred calorie deficit. Um, yeah, you know, or more, and go into two, three hundred calorie deficit, and obviously have a lot more food to eat. But for a lot of people, it's a lot less than what you might expect, given some of the things like metabolic adaptation and some of the things you have to also account
1: for. I think it's men mostly need to realise two things. I think, and you and you will realise it normally when it's too late and you've wasted a lot of time. Is a you probably never be a pro bodybuilder. You will never be that big and ripped. Not a chance. This is for 99% of the population. Probably 100% of people listening to this. Probably. You'll never be that big. So bring your expectations right down from there. Because then having realistic expectations will hopefully stop you doing stupid things. And you won't gain muscle that fast. Like, you got the typical... If if you were going to be huge, you will know within a year. When you start training, within a year, you will make so much progress. Okay. If you're You'll be like, I ain't gonna be a beast. And can I know-
0: just can I just interject slightly just to add one little caveat in there? You'll know in the first year, I think, if you're you're kind of you know you are at least applying a reasonable level of scientific principles to your training and stuff. Because obviously, I guess a lot. All I'm thinking is there'll be a lot of people that start training a year and they're training so dog shy that they would, you know, they they won't see any newbie gains, um, or they won't see as much newbie gains as they possibly could, and they might have a second wind at some point during their training career because they suddenly go, "Oh shit, this is how I'm supposed to train. I get it." Yeah, I just wanted
1: to add that because I thought it was important. Yeah, th- th- that is important because a lot of people go, "Ah, oh, I've heard it before. I've gained two pounds this week. How much do I think muscle?" Probably point 0.0 something. Yeah. Percent.
0: Twenty grams. <laughs>
1: And, and you know, and a lot of people don't want to be like men when they first start. A lot of people want, they want to be shredded, but big and shredded, shredded and shredded and be looking looking shit out. The people do look at people in magazines, even what you call the classic physique who used to be, you know, people like Frank Zinn back in the day, who were more achievable than this now. We probably wouldn't achieve that even, but he was like. 190 shredded which is like alright it's big but it's not out of the realms of possibility like Chris Bumstead, sitting there was like 230 pound shred it's like you ain't getting there it. it's not you ain't getting there not happening and then and but you like I said you you know fairly quickly if you're going to be that big so if you realise actually for me to gain for me to go from 180 pound to 190 pound going to take a couple of years. In, in muscle, you mean? Yeah. In muscle, yeah. In muscle. In pure muscle. So when these guys... People say, you have know, gain 10 pounds of muscle in a year. Okay. If it's their first year training and they've got things pretty... Doing things pretty decently, then you're right. You could say, yeah, you could do that. If they five, six years in the training, that's not happening. No. Unless, I, unless you've gone from natural to, to not.
0: I would still consider myself a reasonably intermediate
1: lifter in that
0: training experience and quality still has a lot Like, obviously I'd consider myself training reasonably well for maybe Christ maybe five, that was my, my two Um, I would consider myself training reasonably well for probably four or five years as in reasonably well, it's not got better it's, you know, it's a bit of a spectrum in terms of like it's not suddenly oh I've been training brilliantly for five years like I've been training better in terms of more better quality, applying the the you know the, the right tra- uh, training principles, um, progressive overload, you know quality of training for range of motion, all the, all these types of things. And that's probably been this kind of like iteration over those five years to get to a point now where I feel like my training is pretty good. But clearly it's still loads more I can improve on. I think like I've said in other podcasts, there'll be things weekly that I kind of make tweaks to and change and often have resets to make sure. Because so I think a lot of times you're training, I've said before, you can find yourself getting out of as you chase progressive overload, um, you know, chase higher intensity, uh, Chase higher intensity, you do find yourself kind of sometimes some of the things like form do slip a little bit and you do have to kind of, I suppose, perform self-audits quite regularly to make sure that things just aren't slowly slipping week to week and all of a sudden you find yourself a long way off the training quality that you've been doing previously. So that does happen, I think, with all people. And I think you do have to self-audit. Even the best people, you know, still have to self-audit quite regularly to make sure that you, you kind of keep checking yourself. Um, but I think even with all of that, I'd still consider myself reasonably intermediate. And, you know, we're talking about my gain being quite moderate in terms of in the best part of 10 months or over 10 months now. Uh, I've put on, what did we say, 13, 14 pounds, basically a stone, which is quite a, a reasonably moderate. Although, I mean, given that like what people would say an evidence-based recommendation for rate of gain, that's still probably i would oh have to work it out but what's that i mean it's probably still not far off slightly it's slightly higher than the than like the middle range of what you would say is the the rate of gain as in like 0.25 to 0.5 per month so that probably still works out at 0.3 0.35 per month or something. so actually you could say that's probably still slightly over the middle of what what is kind of like the evidence-based recommendation of gain so although it's moderate it's probably still you know like a reasonable gain it's not like it's like really slow um and the point of this whole story is that i still think that should i diet down now back to you know kind of like the same condition that i started this diet on i'd be surprised if i was more than a pound or two heavier genuinely
1: it's quite depressing
0: is yeah it's really depressing although you think actually a pound or two is worth a muscle when you're lean can actually make quite a considerable visual difference um, because I think that's another thing you forget. Like when you're when you're a bit heavy and have a higher body fat percentage, a pound or two makes not really that much difference. Um, but I think when you're a lot leaner, that pound or two can make quite a big difference in terms of how visual it visual looks. Because obviously, like there's there's way less fat to cover up those extra pounds of muscle than it shows.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think that I think that's why it's important to focus on the process and not always the end goal. Because sometimes the end goal is not that great. Especially for a, a, an average genetic individual like most people who train, like for you to gain two, three, four pounds of solid mass in a year is pretty good going. Mm. I mean, if you can gain, you know, four pounds this year, two pounds a year after, two pounds a year after that, and a pound, still, you know, seven, eight pounds over a couple of years is considerable on a frame that's 160
0: 170 pound it's yeah. quite significant. yeah well i, th- I mean it, I, I you could look at it just use my example for ease of mass again you could look at it and say okay well like over a year I if, say if i now took the next eight weeks dieting i might be able to get 10 pound off and not be far off the original and so if my so if i could get 10 pounds off and my uh guess is right and that i maybe had two three pounds off of muscle that probably put me in a similar condition then to as i'm saying So if i did that every year and basically kind of got like gained 14 pounds lost 10 11 and obviously that the the residual two or three pounds is muscle and i did that every year so i effectively just put on two or three pounds of muscle every year now okay there'll be a a diminishing rate of return i'm sure over that time period but even if kind of like two three pound this year three two pound next year sorry uh, one or two pounds the next year one and a half two pounds one pound you know over those three years that all adds up to maybe like you, hit, like you say 14 pounds of muscle over five or six years type thing if I said my you- master shit there it doesn't quite add up to that but <laughs> um you, you get the get the principle It does add up to actually from what seems like not a lot if you can just bide with your time and just stick with the process over a few years that suddenly does add up and makes quite a considerable difference if i
1: said to you in 10 years time you'd be 180 pound shredder you'd be like that's good I'd be happy with that I think you'd be happy with that
0: I don't know I'm, I don't know if I'll ever get there though
1: yeah 180 punch weight is still heavy really
0: heavy really heavy I think I mean I know I'm six foot so I suppose that I, that I have that in my fader in that actually you know, I'm reasonably tall but you look at some of the um, you know IFB no not IFB any, any organisation you look at some of the pro bodybuilders out there that are obviously natural a lot of those step on stage in the 140s 150s yeah. So and I, okay, I'm not going to be walking around as as, as thick skin shredded as those guys, but obviously they they can be pretty lean at in the 150s or you know happily lean kind of everyday living in the 160s. So if I was to think that I'm ever going to get to 180 shredded, it, even at six foot where I might be a bit heavier because of you know being a bit bit bigger framed or bone structure or whatever, I thought I'd probably still think I'm I'm probably not really ever going to achieve that.
1: Like use a use i um, f b p Pro Ryan Doris, Doris whatever. As far as I know, he's natural. An and this guy, he's a big bloke, and he is one hundred eighty-five pounds. Yeah. So this guy is in very, very good condition, and he's a hundred and eight and he, and is a, is a he's next to a pro bodybuilder. This guy. This is the difference. Uh, where's the picture? Anyway, he's standing next to a pro, and the pro, who's just the average, not a top ten Olympian, is a hundred pound heavier. So Ryan Doors is I, I don't know his, his height, but he's 185 pound, which is heavy. So if you, if someone you know is 185 pound shredded, they're going to be and obviously genetics dictate your tie-ins, how you know, how good you bite and your shoulder, waist, rage, all that sort of stuff. But you can be a fairly—if you took a top wondering if I'm shredded to the bone, you're gonna look better than anybody else around you. So I think the more people realise that being at two hundred pound plus shredded, natural, it's probably not gonna happen. Yeah,
0: I just—I just found so my namesake Brett Freeman. Uh, I think he's in and. In mbf i can't remember what again what organization pro he is but he's definitely a pro and i've just obviously you can see his johnny but that, like, obviously these guys can't um in 2017 he stepped on stage at 146 pounds and obviously yes he's diced shredded shredded glutes all of the stuff um but, 10 but he's 10 stone six now he, he doesn't look 10 stone six by any stretch um he looks a lot bigger than than that just purely because obviously that's what happens in terms of um perspective when you have very little body fat and how muscular you then look but it does show you really that when people get that diced like the amount of muscle mass they hold when people attribute that to kind of what their expectations of numbers on scales are it's a lot lower than generally people think and i think that aligns with what we say about people when they diet and they you know they have a goal in mind of how much weight they want to lose to look a certain way and it's like yeah you can probably double that you know or you can add 10 pounds type thing as i found when i've dieted for photo shoots before i thought myself, oh, i wonder if, if i can get down to 165 i'll be pretty happy because i'll be pretty diced then um maybe not quite on stage lean but definitely like way past photo shoot lean. and you get down to 165 and think <laughs> i've still got love handles what the fuck how was that <laughs> you're like oh okay Let's let's go for another ten then, and obviously you know you get. I, I remember doing that for my photo shoot, getting to something like one seventy, thinking I must be getting close now. And I thought, fuck, I'm gonna have to do another ten pounds. So I get, yeah, you know, got close to one. I think I got down to about one sixty two in the end before the photo shoot, where I was like, I honestly probably could do another ten here before I'd ever get close to bodybuilding stage. And I'm thinking to myself, fuck, like my expectations of this were, and obviously I didn't have it. I wouldn't have it in me to diet that much further. I don't think. Like it'd be interesting if I really had something to commit to, like a stage show had i what i would have been able to do in that in 2019 or if it was 2018 whenever we did last first shoot i think 2018 wasn't it i'd be interested to see what the motivation of a stage show would have done to me because so i would have been able to but i think the way i felt at the time i don't think i could have pushed too much harder not without the, not without the, the right carrot in front of me to, to kind of get me going anyway
1: so it's even the level again they go from photo to stage it's maybe it's only a couple of percentage points body fat but when you lean as fuck anyway on that extra on is. <sighs> It's like death. Not that I haven't been there, so I can't really. I'm
0: not really i have not 1st hand experience, but terrible. I think you've got to have. You just got to have the right goal. The only way you're going to achieve that is if you have the right motivation. I think the actual process is so so challenging and so difficult. If you if it's just a a really willy nilly goal, you just won't do it. You just don't, there is there is just not enough drive. I think because you just feel so tired, so shit, so food focused, so hungry um moody no libido all of those things are real when people you know you hear people talk about these things like as i say even for the photo shoot all of those things were prominent for me i and and obviously it's a spectrum you know i would say that they could have been a lot worse and they probably would get a lot worse as i had had i got a lot leaner but they were noticeable that all those things were symptoms of what i was doing so again another reason is like i just don't think i have it in me don't no. think i have the drive to, to push any any further so it's very very
1: very difficult to do mm.
0: How, however um sorry mate. i would say however i do think that i'm not suggesting like i think it's a particularly great goal in that everyone should aim for a photo shoot or everyone should aim for something like step on stage because actually i think most people probably shouldn't but on the flip side i'm going to contradict myself i do think it's actually a really good challenge for people like it's, it, I've, I, I mean, maybe it's just me in that I enjoyed doing it for the most part. Even now, like, I it's one of those things where, like, I, I look at it a bit like that coastal walk I did, where I walked forty-seven miles in one go, and uh, at the time I was like, "This is the fucking worst thing ever. I am not doing this ever again." Um, and I, I think I finished it, and people said, "Would you do it again?" I said, like, "Absolutely, fucking no chance." But literally, give me a couple of days, and I was like raging about how good it was, and that, yeah, definitely, oh yeah, I would do it again. And I think even that kind of thing like aligns with that. I at the time I was like I wouldn't do this again there's no point but actually looking back I think I did enjoy the process I did enjoy I certainly enjoy the photos that you get out of it I think that's quite a nice um, bit of evidence for the challenge and the hard work and how far it's quite, it's quite cool how far you can push your body uh, but I think as long as you've got that mentality and it doesn't fuck you up because obviously it can fuck a lot of people up but I think if you can look at it as more of a challenge to see you know how cool or interesting it is to, that the human body can be pushed but obviously leave it at that. I think that's that's a, a healthy way of kind of from a mental perspective looking at it.
1: You've got to get yourself... There's definitely a zone you've got to get into to get down there. And you've got to stay in there for quite a long time.
0: As in the dieting zone, you mean? As in to yeah. able to compete,
1: to do it, complete it, yeah. I think, I think for a lot of people it's probably a psychological... Negative. Oh so far in that you'd always look at them photos and go, oh, "I look fucking great." And you look at if oh, "I'm nowhere near it." Even though to other people you're like made look abs. Shut up. And he's like, "Yeah, but I don't look like it anymore." And they, and they mentally not scarred. Like, I don't look like it anymore.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, but it's 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 when, This is half the problem with when that when people's perspective or mentality on. Kind of physique and bodybuilding is that way in that we idealize is that even a word yeah maybe that's yeah. the word we, no we we put we put this basic physique at, on a pedestal as in like that's the ultimate achievement and yes okay it is cool and it's interesting and it's fascinating how far people can push their bodies to get to this kind of condition but in the same breath like we put them into these positions where we think that they are literally kind of like I said that this thing on a pedestal and. It kind of makes sense, really, why so people are fucked up by it. Because obviously, what happens is you get the best condition of your life for all of an hour, while you're on stage. You know, and I say best conditioners in, in air quotes, what you perceive as the best condition, because obviously that's what you built this 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 idea up as. And then you just slowly see it deteriorate afterwards. Or for some people, you see it very fucking quick deteriorate. I mean, to a point where it deteriorates literally the following day. And you never see your, you know, you kind of hit your prime. That's it. And if you don't have the right mentality about that and have, you know, a bit of forward thinking, a bit of guidance, a bit of support and expectation about you will look great on the day. For most people after that, you'll then start to see it slowly dissipate into something that you perceive as not the best physique and it slowly gets away from you. If you don't have like a a plan B expectation, you're just going to fuck you up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to make you feel like, oh my God, I'm going to feel like shit now because I was great a couple of days ago and like I've gone out and binged all day on every meal God, known to man that I've enjoyed and missed. You know, I've gotten all of the cheesecakes and cookies and stuff that I've been storing away in the freezer because I've not been able to eat them for the last nine months. And um, you've just slowly seen your physique go from, like, dice, shredded and rock hard to just flabby and watery again.
1: I do think it was really worth taking photos on the way back up as well. Because I know, not that I've been photo photoshoot condition, but... I've been in good condition with abs, and and even at the time, you think, oh, I'm still a bit fat, until you look at photos after the fact, I can fucking hell, actually, I look much better than I thought I did. So I think if you take photos on the way back up, so you maintain whatever, let's say 14 pound, 15 pound over that, you take a photo, and you think after a few months, you've stayed in that weight, you think, oh, I look shit, look back at the photo and think, actually, I don't look shit, hmm. I look shit doer than i did in the photos but I still look good yeah
0: yeah it I, reminds me a little bit it's not quite the same but it does remind me a bit of the conversation i had with one of my clients david and we were talking about how um well we we're kind of talking about scale weight to start with in terms of he's in he's really intrigued by the scale weight he finds it fascinating how the scale changes so rapidly so quickly like even from um like in the morning to halfway through the day type thing and obviously there's this expectation that you know that you're going to weigh a lot heavier in the night time because obviously you've consumed more food nor drink um And all that type of stuff. So you kind of expect that you're going to be, but, but he, obviously he's like mad thinking I can't believe I put on like five pounds from when I woke up this morning to, to nighttime. And obviously I'm like, stop weighing yourself at nighttime, mate. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Because I'm 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 just fascinated. I'm not not concerned by it. it just amazes me because I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be five pound lighter again. As in like it's mad. And I was like, yeah. And we got in this conversation around talking about how even physique differences are so different in the morning and where you kind of think, well, you know, you wake up in the morning sometimes, you feel lean, you feel, like, dehydrated, you feel a bit kind of like, oh, I feel, like, a lot leaner than normal, now. like, I've lost some weight overnight. And then by the night time, you feel the absolute opposite. You're like, I feel bloated, I feel watery, any definition that I thought I had is now gone. And it is amazing how you can change from, like, 7 a.m. when you wake up to 7 p.m. at night time, the physique difference. Like, And the reason like that kind of reminds me is because you sound about taking pictures on the way up. I think you could take a picture in the morning to night time Genuinely have an incredible like transformation, like in terms of you know good to bad in air quotes.
1: Oh yeah, a bit. It's my I think I fluctuate on average about five on a day from morning to night, roughly. Mm. Yeah, it is. I think but it does have the the, the bigger guys. See, so the guys that are over two hundred and in decent nick. I think for them being a bit flabia because they hold a substantial amount of muscle doesn't make much difference when you don't hold a lot of muscle in comparison it tends to look you try to look a lot worse if you gain a bit of water but you see, the, you see I know I'm referring to big huge fuckers yeah
0: I know you mean I know you mean like
1: the big big guys who are like even 20% body fat which is effectively fat for a bodybuilder um, they still look good because they have so much mass yeah. i that's-
0: i think i think that's why it's, i think that's why sorry mate i think that's why it's not fat for a bodybuilder though because actually i think if you say 20 percent of body fat to people some people think that's quite heavy oh that's quite you know shouldn't they should be a little lean? that shouldn't they not not as in just on stage i mean just generally people think people will say like 20 percent body fat for someone that trains is quite high but actually i say that if you if you ask people so so someone like i don't know i can't think of someone off the top of my head as an example but basically a reasonably all right-looking physique on a bodybuilder in the off-season where they, they still look pretty good. You know, they don't look fat by any stretch, you know, still maybe have some striation stuff. They might still be 20% body fat. like, But because, like you say, they hold so much muscle mass, they still look pretty good. But I think a lot of people would look at them and go, oh, you know, they might be 12% body fat. That's like, actually, no, they're probably closer to 20. But you don't realise it because, actually, they 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 hold so much muscle mass, they still look very good.
1: So much mass. And that, that does show why it is important for people to just... Who just attribute weight loss to looking good, and it it's not the case. If you lose weight and you don't train, you will look just as shit as you do now. <laughs>
0: God, Blunt, you look just as
1: shit as you do now, Johnny. Like, you no, know, I can look shit now, but if I didn't train, I'd be forty pounds lighter. It's look shit. You've got to train, so you've got you've got some level of muscle mass, mm. so you look good. Some guy who's twelve stone who trains with Weights or resistance training of some description, versus a 12 stone guy who runs, they're gonna to look totally different. The runner's gonna look terrible in comparison to the guy who trains with weights or carcinics or whatever, whatever he does. Yeah. So it is-
0: I think I mean obviously we need to quantify the idea that what we're saying is good and bad is not everyone's good and bad so obviously take that with a pinch of salt when we're saying I mean I suppose we're we're saying like the idea of almost like I guess social expectations of more muscle mass equals better which isn't necessarily the case for everyone some people don't like that look which is absolutely fine we're just not aiming that statement at you then Um, and that isn't a derogatory thing it isn't meant to be a negative thing um, I just, you know, I thought I'd be include that because obviously I want to be in- inclusive of people and not exclusive, and I don't want people to think, oh, well, you know, they're not talking about us because they're excluding, or, I mean, yeah, okay, we m- might not be talking, but I want to at least acknowledge the fact that we're being open about we're not
1: specifically aiming that at you. Um, anyway. Well, but As a runner, is a good thing because you'll be faster.
0: Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, not
1: very healthier. No. But, I mean,
0: I suppose, like, just to put that into pers- perspective, actually, I think for most, like, new clients you take on, consultations you have, when you talk about kind of goals, and when it's you, when they're quite often focused around physique and kind of aesthetics and how they look, when you start talking to people and they talk about weight loss, you do get the impression that their expectation of weight loss um, is to look, they, they want to look better and their idea of better is more toned, kind of, kind of a better shape and, and kind of a better physique in that way. And you do have to explain like, actually... If you just lose weight and shrink your body, you won't necessarily look the way you want to look. Because your yeah. kind of expectations are that you're gonna look more toned. Okay, you know, you lose some body fat, you'll potentially look a bit better because you will see some muscle mass come through because obviously you reduce some body fat over the muscle, you will. But for most people, looking at a smaller version of themselves isn't what they're really after. And actually they've kind of envisioned kind of a, a more muscle mass and looking at a more toned version of themselves, which you then have to do some resistance training.
1: Yeah. You do. And also, this shows the scale of weight doesn't tell you the whole story. Like I've, I've got a client now who, on the scale of weight, has lost twelve, twelve pounds in six months. Not great scale of weight loss. I don't know. But, it's pretty but,
0: good. Yeah. Depends, yeah. Yeah, bear Just bear in mind, I know obviously their statistics around how much weight oh. they have to lose. That isn't a bad. That's you know, if, again as a percentage of body weight, it's quite a good rate of loss.
1: Yeah, she she has lost thirty inches across her body, so it's quite substantial. Yeah. But you look at it, you think, oh, people think, well, actually, I've only lost fourteen pounds in six months. Yeah, you've lost thirty inches off your off your body, and a substantial portion of that is around the waist, stomach, and hips, which account for nineteen inches.
0: Yeah, which is obviously one. Probably the area that most people want to lose weight predominantly from, and two, also really good in terms of health markers, and kind of some of the prominent uh, ways you might measure someone's kind of um, bodies to attribute towards health markers are so things like hip to waist ratios and stuff like that. So, obviously, if you're losing a lot of waste off, a lot of uh, measurements off that, it's obviously going to improve those health markers.
1: And this client uh, needed to improve health markers like cholesterol, blood pressure. Um, HbA1c is the average of your blood sugar across yeah. 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 all these things needed to be, they weren't what you call high but they were on the higher side of normal so it's obviously worth doing something about it before it gets abnormal so yeah those are the exact place you want to remove fat from to help improve those markers so scale weight doesn't
0: always tell the whole story no well as does any data measurement that's why you take so many data measurements that's why you do scale weights that's why you use girth measurements that's why you also um, not imply um, or stress the importance i suppose of the actions you know the actual habit-based stuff not necessarily the outcomes The, the actions themselves are really really important because even a lot of those things we talked about like there is enough evidence out there to show that even independent of weight loss so people that don't necessarily even lose weight if they start you know attributing exercise into their um regime or their, their their strategy they will see improved health markers just purely from doing some exercise type thing or eating a bit healthier so eating more healthy or a healthy nutritious diet and doing exercise even if it doesn't lead to weight loss can still improve their health markers so yeah. that's actually really important that's why it's also important to stress that there for me it's almost more I'm more, almost more aligned with like the Hayes approach and the anti-diet side because of that than I am probably the other way because I think actually why wouldn't we focus on them as really important? Because yes, okay, you achieve weight loss and that obviously improves health markers, brilliant, amazing, brilliant. But if you don't achieve weight loss, you're probably still improving health markers purely because of the the actual habits and and the regime that they're they're kind of attributing to. So
1: going from doing nothing to doing to, not do healthy health seeking behaviors. This doesn't really sound right, but you know what I mean.
0: No, it's is, it's is, it just actually start to include some health seeking behaviors in you, in your behaviors.
1: Is going to improve something. It's better than you doing nothing. That's the point, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. You might be disappointed to be on a diet for a month. You've got you've worked really hard. You've lost a pound. Right. Yeah. But you've change the way you eat as in your diet now primarily consists of what you class single ingredient foods more veg more fruit better quality meat not so much junk you have started walking more often you sleep better blah 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 meditate even you do yoga you do something you are definitely in a better place than you were a month ago 100%. even if you pound like that 100% and those behaviours will then enable you potentially later on because you're still at the stage where maybe you're, you don't quite understand calories or that the calories are the driver of what you want as in weight loss. So then or when or even
0: do, if you do and you can't stick to it.
1: Yeah, even if you can't stick to it.
0: Those... That's, what, that's what I mean. Sorry, mate. Even, even if you do know that that's the... like Basically, what I'm saying is like just knowing a calorie deficit is the principal me- um, mechanism or only way to lose weight. Doesn't mean that you you can just apply it and make it easy done.
1: No, oh, no, definitely no. What also helps is I think because when people start trying to lose weight, they just look at traditional exercise and they like running, cycling, whatever. It's normally some sort of cardio, isn't it? Some people go, "Oh yeah, I want to go in the gym." But like we've talked about before, there's other modalities of exercise that will burn a lot of calories that you can actually enjoy. I mean, nowadays, you can go on a trampoline, do trampoline classes, which is 100%, 100 times more exciting than running, for most people, I would say, or cycling, or the gym. There's loads of different stuff that you can do, like
0: Come I took I, I took the kids to gymnastics last this week to uh, so gymnastics class and they and, okay they're two and four like let's be honest what could they really do but they absolutely loved walking on like balance beans and just jumping on little trampolines and and like jumping over things absolutely loved it and you can imagine as an adult if you kind of made that a bit more intense yeah. higher intensity that would be a phenomenal workout in terms of kind of some some cardiovascular and a bit of strength based stuff based on having to manipulate your body weight a bit
1: and things like that is you're probably burning a substantial amount of calories, probably more than never burn doing weights and things like that. But the process is different. The process isn't just I've got to come in for 60 minutes and do a workout in 60 minutes. It's like you're learning something every time. Right, you've got to perfect X skill, which means you've got more motivation to perfect a certain skill and get better at a certain area. There's sort of... Makes you focus on that, not on the weight loss, which then it just becomes an outcome you've achieved because you focused on the process of doing something that you enjoy. And if you go find that one or two things, weight loss will be considerably easier. Because I'm not saying you should rely on exercise as such to, to, to create a deficit, but if you fell in love with, for example, because I do it, now Jiu Jitsu when you go seven times a week but you don't see it as oh, I've got to go because i got to look at you but actually I want to go because I want to go from a white belt to a blue belt I want to be able to perfect this you will burn so many calories in in a week compared to doing what you would normally do of you know, walking on a treadmill in a gym or weight training that weight loss will probably come anyway because you've burning a lot of calories and then what you'll find from there is you want to improve other parts of your life, you might decide then that, okay, I want to get better at this. So I'm going to try and improve and I'm try and work more on my nutrition going forward now and try and be a bit more on it to get me better at my sport. Mm. I,
0: I think certainly what you're saying is true in that I think you, you, you kind of focus on all those kind of like positive elements of it independent of the kind of like again the aim for weight loss and if you then do want to try to be a bit more specific around weight loss you've already got one piece of the puzzle in made you know it's in play so kind of the weight loss piece should be then a lot easier because you've you got this piece already in in kind of action so um I, 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 there's a massive part of me again kind of going back to what i said a moment ago that i still think like again having these habits and living a healthful and health-seeking life is is way more important and the more tight ty- then basically just trying to be lean or trying to have like this ideal physique that we all expect. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't think it's cool that people again are disciplined. And I'm not saying that I don't think it's cool that people can kind of you know remain lean and kind of have the physique that they enjoy. But I still think like everyone should just be happy. I don't I, and. It's just one of those really difficult things that's just an easier thing said than done to tell everyone, be happy with what you got, because obviously it doesn't solve anyone. It is very much the same case of saying like, oh, cheer up, mate, to a depressed person, because it's just not as much as we don't want people, and they shouldn't be depressed. And we can tell people like you you shouldn't be depressed and I don't want you to be depressed. I want you to be happy. You can't just tell someone to cheer up and all of a sudden they're happy in the same way as you can't just tell someone to accept their body as it is and then all of a sudden it's like okay i don't need to be lean then i'm happy being kind of like the condition i'm in that just doesn't happen which is why we still support people with weight loss goals and we don't just turn them away and say you know we don't believe in weight loss because you know we won't be the person that dictates someone else's goal for them will we because we understand obviously like the reasons for people's goals are quite personal and it's their own decision even though i don't even though i wouldn't necessarily agree like a lot of people come to us and say i want to lose weight and i would say my my position would be that i don't feel like you're in you should lose weight in that you're not particularly unhealthful um in terms of kind of like your your body mass and you know kind of medically you don't necessarily need to lose weight and that it's purely an aesthetics or, or vanity driven thing but it's not for me to tell someone that that they should be happy with what they got it's it's up to them so yeah and don't be wrong i might iterate or Mold or manipulate, if you to use that word, over time or a long period of time to kind of help people p- kind of put some perspective, and they might change their own mind over a period of time and just focus more on the process and less on worrying about kind of obtaining a specific physique. But obviously, that's kind of like the job of a coach, I think, in terms of to slowly kind of get people to change their mind, maybe or perspective, or not even say change their mind, but basically see your perspective on it and then make their own decision.
1: Don't know if I waffled yeah. a bit there. But... Having the process in place is much more important than just always seeking the outcome because if if you nail in the process the outcome will always come no matter if it takes a month or two years it will come eventually
0: yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. I, I mean I, I, if you give a number to it I would think it's like yeah the thing that's important to me is like or, or what yeah okay let's put it that way I think if you have to put a number on what's important I think like 90 10, 90% process 10% outcome yeah yeah 100% yeah
1: Yeah. because you get yeah. you know people have people have have lost a substantial amount of weight doing keto slimming world whatever but two years later where are they back to where they were and more so the process failed them totally so they focused only on the outcome by by not understanding what they were how they were getting there what they were doing and they ended up worse off.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I know you need to go, mate. And I know, obviously, uh, we need to keep this really short. We've done 45 minutes on a, no topic whatsoever, which is quite <laughs> interesting. Um, so we'll uh, we'll round off there, shall we? I um, want to remind people, obviously, reviews, rate, subscribe, all that stuff, please. Um, obviously, buy your cheese. But also, my favourite uh, and well-recommended protein bars have a new flavour out warrior team warrior.com they've got a new flavor out um cookie crunch or cookie dough crunch i think it's called Mm. so i haven't tried it yet because i haven't had any but i'm now about to buy some which is another reason i want to go so i can get on their website and buy some new bars if anyone else is interested because i'm going to use my own discount code um which i don't even know if i'm allowed to do but i'm going to save myself some money anyway um so just to prove to people that obviously I am buying these things off of my own back in terms of that, I genuinely think they're great and that's why I recommend them, not because I'm trying to make money out of people, um, hence I'm paying my own hard-earned money for, uh, but I'm going to go buy some and see what it likes, they sound good. Like who doesn't like a cookie dough bar? Yeah. Mm. 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 Well, I'm Con- gonna... Controversial.
1: I'm trying to find the flavour that I like.
0: Have, ha- have you tried cookie dough carb killers?
1: um i think is it the blue pack like yeah blue.
0: light blue really good actually in fact yeah. i re- i remember having them when they first came out thinking these are better than i was anticipating in that i really liked the fact that they they had like a nice caramel uh i think they had like i think they've got like almost you consider i don't know if it's like cacao or cocoa but like hard like almost like coffee bean sort of cocoa bits in them as well and they'd give them a bit of crunch but they just a lot tastier than i thought they were going to be and they're a different format than your standard carb killer they're not the same format of the protein base with the sauce and thingy like the cookie dough ones to it. I actually I rate those so
1: grenade carb killer carb killer whatever dark chocolate raspberry dark chocolate raspberry. raspberry mm, mm. so like
0: it is oh I'm sorry no to be fair um they're not my they're not they wouldn't in be in my top 5 carb killers I'm afraid but um I do like them enough to buy them. As in, like, if they're cheap enough, I'll get, I'll eat, I'll eat them and buy them. Um, they're a bit like a... I've, I, think, I think I've always likened them to the sweets you get in Quality Sweet or Roses. I can't remember which ones, but like the strawberry cream type things, aren't they? They're a bit like that. Um, mm-hmm. With like Again, they've got like the same sort of similar hard cacao-y nib sort of ch- chocolate cocoa-y sort of bits on top, haven't they? Um, but I, I've just got a thing with a bit like protein bars and fruit and chocolate flavours. Most of the time, they don't work and okay that's i still like them enough to eat those but that for that reason i don't think they'd be on top five but but i'll be I'll be, on, I'll be honest one of the few um oh, i don't know if it's chocolate you can call it a chocolate fruit actually i was gonna say some of the fruit flavored bars anyway that actually again genuinely not just saying this generally do mean this um and our our friend amy ramshed will uh will will back me up on this because i sent her one to try um the banoffee flavored warrior bar out of this world like i'm not really a fake banoffee type fan like i would never choose a banoffee dessert when i'm out um banoffee flavored stuff is just not stuff that i would usually choose but when i try one, i was like Do you know what i'm massively surprised at how good this is but and I found the same with they do a key lime cheesecake I think and again really it's a did you ever have I don't know if you ever have them or if you have them as kids or whether even still about but like I think they do like packet mix like cheesecake sort of things where you get like a Graham biscuit base you have to make up yourself at home and then like a really shit fake lime flavored cheesecake mix you just pour on top no no never heard of those some someone listening please tell me that I'm not making this shit up but they taste like those like a really fake key lime but like with this Grahamy Buttery biscuit. And I'll be honest. I was surprised again how good they were. Key lime, key lime cheesecake. Sounds good to me. Well, I wouldn't ever. I, I, wouldn't normally want that in a protein bar though. Uh.
1: No, I don't suppose it. would doesn't sound like a great protein bar, I gotta say. No, but it
0: just for some reason works. Johnny, you look like you're really struggling with your back there, my friend. I am.
1: I am facing so the same position like 20 minutes. It destroys me. You can just turn it over. It's ridiculous.
0: I thought you were just letting a bit of wind out was no, I was not that um speaking of uh slightly odd flavors uh obviously you know I went out for father's day food tonight with uh, my father-in-law um and the the wife and kids yeah. and uh, I had a uh peanut butter burger smooth, a burger with peanut butter uh some sort of like maple onion sauce it's like a really sweet oniony mapley syrupy sauce uh with crispy onions on top and then obviously, you know, I think it came with lettuce and tomato and whatever, but you could get rid of that without worrying too much. But really worked well, actually. Kind of the sweet onion and the peanut butter smooth peanut butter on a burger seemed to look like salty meat. Decent.
1: It sounds good, I gotta say. Peanut butter and the burger it sounds good to me. Yeah.
0: I did once have peanut butter on a burger, peanut butter and chili jam on a burger, but I think it was a chicken burger and it was in Birmingham. So it isn't quite the same being on chicken, but still so still nice. Still decent, yeah Mm. i think it worked well with chili jam as well Mm. that reminds me that reminds me i've got two jars of goobers in the uh the american peanut butter brand i think it's like smuckers but the 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 smuckers jam peanut butter and jam uh it's like rainbow layered like purple jelly and peanut butter in the the same jar in the cupboard i might have to crack that out soon
1: crack it open and eat it all
0: i could honestly do that like it, it works perfectly the high carb high fat sweet salty uh like a mixture of textures in the peanut butter and the jam textures like crunchy peanut butter
1: it's the best combination yeah banging
0: it's got all of the hedonic uh eating uh what's the word i'm looking for temptations i don't know a the right word but it's all of that in one go so obviously no wonder it's the sort of thing you could probably go oh, i'll eat the whole jar of this and not have to um to stop
1: and then like 2000 calories later oh man
0: i'm gonna go work out how much in the jar which probably, probably a couple of thousand i think actually because like most 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 of those types of spreads or whatever you know the four or 500 calories per 100 grams i'm going to guess there's probably roughly 400 grams So that probably works yeah. out a couple of thousand so you probably got that quite close it's on the American.
1: money i put another hundred guys per hundred grams on top of that because they can ram in loads of shit and do anything mm.
0: yeah well they can but um put it this way it'll be uh definitely a lot more when i spread it all on like toast or crumpets or how whatever method i'm gonna have i've been having a lot of peanut butter lately in my smoothies in the morning i've, been, I've resorted because of my appetite i've been resorted to get away from the kids cereal because i can't even face kids cereal before training now i've been resorted to having to like blend up some frozen fruit yogurt protein powder peanut butter and honey in a smoothie to try and kind of bulk up my calories a bit and make it a bit easier on the digestion before i train um so maybe right. I'll, I'll i'll throw some of that in instead of um i've been having like snickers and crunchy nut uh peanut bar. they're quite nice crunchy nut peanut butter is pretty good actually if you can find that anywhere it's like it's almost like that um caramelized or honey roasted cashew type flavor or peanut honey roasted peanut flavor to make
1: it like crunchy nuts mm, that sounds uh, sounds decent decent right mm.
0: mate on that note i said we'd sign off at seven minutes later so uh shall we say uh, au revoir
1: do one do one
0: all right <laughs> S- <laughs> see you fans do one Harsh. No, we're gonna say bye. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Share it with your friends, and uh, I don't know. Say hi. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks, so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week.